as much as asking and trying is the basic step, you need to embed something within it that's going to say, okay, this ask is worthy of my time, right? What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Spreading Success Podcast. My name is Ram Raviv, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by my good buddy, Matt Labrie. Matt, how are you doing today, man? I, first and foremost, Ram, I want to let you know how excited I am to be here and express my gratitude. Before I even answer that question, <laughs> um, just seeing you develop and seeing you grow is something that it's like super fulfilling to be around, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. And to answer your question, I'm doing great. Uh, grinding, making it happen, and you know, ready to jump into this. Awesome. And for those of you who don't know, when I was first getting started with my podcast, Matt was one of the first people that gave me the guidance and the perspective that I needed to, to kind of get started. There was a lot of things that I had to overcome, like fear and kind of the fact that I didn't have my own brand in a way. And he kind of helped shut down those fears and helped me get started. So that's why this episode really does mean a lot to me having him on my show for the first time. And so just getting started, Matt, for the people that don't really know much about you, can you just give them a short kind of 36 second elevator pitch about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure, man. Matt Labrie is a born and raised New Yorker, 27 amazing years who inevitably caught the hustler spirit that, you know, fills these New York streets, as I'm sure you know, Ram. <laughs> and um, for the past three years, I spent my time working with Damon John of Shark Tank directly out of college, which was an absolutely amazing opportunity but I started to feel the lack of fulfillment, which made me want to transition and double my time down on the things that were fulfilling me, such as speaking around the country at colleges, universities, corporations, um, and continuously making an impact by launching my own podcast, by building libraries in my local community, and recently in March of 2019, launched a branding agency here in New York City. So that's my uh, quick elevator pitch for you. Yeah, awesome. And I kind of want to take it back to when you first got started in those high school, college days. What was that time period like for you, not even in terms of the grades and stuff like that, but the entrepreneurship, did you always have that kind of spirit or was it developed a little later? Well, in high school, I'll, I'm going to keep it real with you. And Ron, let me just get something out off my chest. Am I allowed to curse on your show? Sure, I, yes. I don't, I, yep. Okay, cool. Um, you know, in high school, man, I was just so driven by the material things because I was hanging around older people. So for me, I wanted to get the things that the older people had, such as the cars, the girls, the money, right? So I wanted to seek out opportunity in which that would be provided to me, yielded me through my efforts. And for me, that was actually in nightlife. So I started off in nightlife and um, that yielded me the opportunity to work with the likes of Fetty Wap, 50 Cent, Jada Kiss, Fat Joe, Ja Rule, nothing to do with Fire Festival. But um, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, just amazing, amazing opportunity came about from that. But after a while, I realized like I was being driven by the absolute wrong thing. But um, I often say that's kind of how I caught that entrepreneurial bug at the end of the day it was because of those material items. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that you would have had it if it wasn't for that, that initial start of that chasing material wealth? Do you think you had it in you from even before then? Or do you think that's what kind of sparked it? Well, yeah, I mean, going back to my childhood, I, I jokingly say this, but it's very serious. Like I took my parents' groceries like for one full week and we're selling them on my corner um, <laughs> just because like my mom wouldn't give me money for like a pack of baseball cards one day or whatever it was. Like, I don't know what it was, Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, whatever the hell it was. I don't even remember. 
But um, that was literally like when I was in fourth grade, dude. And, um, <laughs> you know, when I look back at it, the only thing that I wanted to do at that point was to have the freedom and the ability to create on my own without needing someone else. So sure, I could say I had it back then, but for much of my life, all I cared about was playing sports and making it to the next level each time, you know, leveling up, playing in college, playing professionally, et cetera. So I wasn't really thinking business until that dream got totally derailed, you know? Yeah. So let's kind of transition into the whole Damon John thing. Cause I know you mentioned that in the beginning and you, we spoke about it a little bit before the interview, but how did that kind of come to be? Because if you hear someone saying, oh, I work for Damon John, or I had a, even like you said, the five minute conversation, most people don't even get that opportunity to begin with. So how did that kind of unfold? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I'm going to keep it short for you here. I never, ever, ever did anything for free. Like I was just so driven by the money. In fact, I actually failed out of college at one point because I was working like five jobs. And wow. uh, it got to a point where after I failed out, got back into school, graduated with my associates, was going for my bachelor's degree. Um, I realized that I wanted to make an impact and that's kind of where that all started. So I, I became the president of the, my school's entrepreneurship club, which was great. CUNY York College, a CUNY school. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And I was in Dominic, Dominican Republic. I received a phone call from my school. It said CUNY York College across my iPhone. And I'm like, what? why the hell are they calling me? Like, I know <laughs> I paid my damn tuition. I literally paid that shit myself. So um, I answered the phone call. They're like, hey, would you like to meet Damon John on campus on X date? X date just so happened to be two days after I was getting back from DR to celebrate spring break. And I took that opportunity. Being that I was a part of the entrepreneurship club, I was yielded that opportunity. I met him in the green room of my school before he hit the stage to promote his book, Power of Broke. And I shook his hand for five minutes. We talked in the process of it. He looked at me. He's like, what, what the hell do they teach you here? How to break people's hands? So it was kind of like <laughs> good vibes off the bat. And, um, you know, at the end of the conversation, I said, Damon, I'm going to work for you. And he just looked at me like I was crazy, like I had 10 heads. I know I have one big head, but I definitely don't have 10. <laughs> so, um, you know, after I worked for him for three years, I know that a lot of people say shit like that to him, but I actually put it into action. You know, after his little gig at my school was done, I had my mentor there, except we were sitting in separate parts of the auditorium or the theater. We met up in the middle and at the end of it, there was this heavy set fellow with a really white beard walking up the side of the auditorium. And I'm looking at my boy, my mentor, and I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere. And it just so happened that we had something to do with each other in nightlife. So it goes to show like how everything comes full spectrum. And to keep this short, he actually worked for Damon or he works for Damon still till this day. And um, next thing you know, that's how the network works, man. I planted the seed and two months later I was interning. Yeah. And I mean, speaking about the whole entrepreneurship club, I'm in my own uh, entrepreneurship club at Baruch. And I know that you actually spoke there and I actually missed that day. Um, we've been waiting to have you back. We'll kind of schedule that um, eventually. But how important do you think joining something like that is for your success in terms of entrepreneurship? Obviously, that kind of helped jumpstart to where you are right now, but for people or, or young entrepreneurs that are in college, how important do you think something like that is? Dude, I mean, at the end of the day, this is why college itself is important. You know, people will say, oh, you could just self-educate. You could do Listen, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for whatever anyone feels is right for them. 
but specifically I knew college was right for me and I didn't know how right it was until I started to take those opportunities on campus, right? I became an ambassador of student entrepreneurship for 24 CUNY schools. So literally for 24 schools, I was an ambassador of student entrepreneurship. And then, um, you know, like you said, the, the entrepreneurship club, dude, like at the end of the day, being in a community of like-minded individuals is going to propel you even further. You never know who you're sitting next to. You could be sitting next to the next Mark Zuckerberg, Michelle Obama, Michael Jordan, whoever, like whoever you idolize could literally be right next to you. And when you put yourself in a community of individuals that think like you, that want to build like you, that want to grow like you, you're just doing yourself a favor. And if you're not doing yourself that favor, you're actually doing yourself an injustice, right? Because you're already on campus. You're already in these classrooms with these people, man. So it's something that I personally think everyone should take advantage of because you never know what's going to come about, whether that is a speaker on your college campus, whether it's someone that you, you're in class with, right? Yeah. And I mean, speaking of your network, you've obviously created an insane network through the people, through your networking events that you've created, and we'll talk about that later, but also through your podcast where you've had the likes of Grant Cardone, uh, Dean Graziosi, and just the list goes on forever. But what was the initial reason why you started that? Obviously, there are some networking reasons, and you are very good at kind of building that growth around you. But what was you think was like your main reason for getting started with it? Well, I started the podcast because I didn't want to be bored. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's just me being real. Um, uh, and I'll call him a mentor, but a coworker of mine, um, he's younger than me. He mentors me. He gives me great advice. And he, he told me for like a year and a half that I need to start a podcast. He's like, dude, like, just do it. Like, you want to put out more content? Do it, do it. I'm like, nah, I don't have the time. But after I left my job with Damon I'm, and I literally finished UPW, I'm, I know you're familiar with Tony Robbins. Um, yeah. I got home from UPW. I did a speaking engagement in Jackson, Mississippi. By the time I got back, I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? You know, I, I don't have a job anymore. If I'm not speaking, I'm not making money. So I need to do something. So I launched a podcast, you know, and I just... I was getting really tired of people defining success for me because I felt like uh, I went through that whole materialistic phase. And don't get me wrong, I still like material items. But at the same time, I also realized how fulfilling and how um, I personally define success is a little bit different than, you know, Merriam Webster's dictionary. <laughs> so that was the main reason as to why I started it. And then when it started to take off, man, I mean, at the end of the day, I had no clue it would be what it is today. Like, I didn't know that. I would be able to tap into different resources to access different guests. And next thing you know, um, it, the trickle effect happened, the compound effect happened. But the, the real answer to the question is I started it because I, I didn't want to be bored, dude. Like, <laughs> that's really what it was. And now, now it's fun. It's a passion project. I love it. Yeah, that's crazy. Because for me, I kind of also started it in a similar way. I went to uh, Casey Adams. Uh, uh, he, was, he spoke at an event called Breakthrough. And he was talking about podcasting and you started podcast. And my initial thought was, I'm not a millionaire. Like I can't, who am I to tell people how to be successful when I'm just learning, just getting started. But then he kind of shut that down saying, that's not what it's about. You share other people's stories and that helps build your experience and your knowledge and your credibility in that way. So if, for all you listeners that don't have a podcast, number one recommendation from both of us is to go start one anchor.fm not an affiliate, but it's just the easiest way to get started. Um, and for the people that are listening to this and do want to start a podcast, what would be something that you can provide for them that would help them get started getting guests? Because I know that's something that a lot of people fear and you've obviously had some great guests on your show. So what would you say to that? You know, I think the biggest thing comes down, and this was a piece of advice that was literally given to me last week. I think it, it fits in perfectly here. Um, I had this amazing guest on the show. She's a Harvard business professor. Her name's Laura uh, Huang, H-U-A-N-G. And she said the best piece of advice she's ever been given was two words, ask and try. 
Um, and I think that is what answers this question. You know, if you don't ask someone to, you know, be a guest on your show, to mentor you, to do something along those lines, you'll never know. If you don't try to do it, if you don't try to find out how to get in contact with them, whether that's Googling their freaking email address. And listen, at the end of the day, Google anyone's email address. I guarantee you it will pop up. Like people <laughs> make this out to be like rocket science. I promise it's not rocket science. Um, but you know, there's also a lot more to it than that. Uh, and I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper to give you another step. As much as asking and trying is the basic step, you need to embed something within it that's going to say, okay, this ask is worthy of my time, right? And I think what that comes down to is how are you going to allude to the fact that this is valuable for the other party you're reaching out to? You know, it's not just about, hey, come on my show and I'll tell you how I do it. And I, 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 there's no hidden agenda here. There's no hidden formula or anything. I literally just say, I want to amplify your message on my show. That's it. Because at the end of the day, when you read that sentence, amplify your message comes before my show. You know, so that right, right there says that you're coming before me. And I think when people um, come, you know, they, they're looking up the perfect scripts to email people. It's like, yo, like, just be real, be authentic, be genuine, and let them know the value that's within. And I think right there, ask, try, and show the value. You're golden when it comes to getting guests. And do you think there's anything differently that you should do when someone is just getting started rather because it's, it's easier to say, I'll share your story on my platform once you've had something established. But when someone's just getting started, getting the, that, that first few guests, just getting the ball rolling, do you think it would be anything different in a way to approach? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely is. And I appreciate you asking that question. That's a great question. You know, you can't just come out of the gate and get Tony Robbins on the show, right? I mm -hmm. mean... Um, that's rather difficult for anyone to do. The guy is freaking busy as hell. But um, I think what it comes down to is how can you build some sort of credibility and trust, you know? Um, for someone that hasn't worked with Damon John, maybe the best thing to do is be able to rack up as many guests that will propel your stats to the highest or utmost potential so that you can show value by having a, a great community, right? There's, and this is going to be different for everyone, but everyone needs to find what their power is and everyone's power is going to be different. Maybe you have crazy access to the top student leaders across CUNY. And next thing you know, that's being amplified across all of New York city because you're able to access these people, right? And now you have fucking 50,000 listeners every episode, dude, then that becomes attractive to these people. You know, everyone needs to find out what their superpower is. And it's hard for me to say, hey, you're going to do this, this, and this because it's going to differ. But at the end of the day, once, you, once you're able to realize what you're capable of and what is in your back pocket and the resources that you're able to dig up and not overlook, you're golden. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of the resources that you've been able to dig up, just quickly transitioning to networking events, your networking events have been through the roof. I've been to most of them. I know you've had a few where I was away. Uh, but the, just like a curious question from me to you, what is the process of doing something like that? Because I know you talked about just ask and try. And obviously the places that you're hosting these events, there's a lot of work that has to go. That's that really is involved between you and, and the person that owns the, uh, the, the restaurant or the club or whatever. So what is the process like for something like that? And how can I or someone else who wants to create some kind of influence, some kind of network start an event like this? Yeah, man, they are not easy to do. I'll say that. And they become very stressful. The larger they grow, the more stressful they become. But at the same time, the more rewarding they become too. Um, I'm very fortunate that my background was in events. For seven years, I was in nightlife, as I alluded to earlier. You know, And I think what happened was um, just having a great team, number one, 
it's very, very hard to do it by yourself. And I didn't do these by myself, so I can't sit here and tell you I did. I did them with four other amazing people. So five of us together came, you know, we put our heads together and we had some pretty awesome events here in New York City, you know, but um, step one, have a team in place, you know, because once you have that team in place, you're able to delegate work to whoever's available to do it. Plus your reach becomes bigger when it comes to the promotion and the marketing of the actual event. Um, number two, and don't take these in any specific order, but um, again, resources. Who do you know that owns restaurants? Who do you know that owns venues or, or clubs or anything of that nature? Um, and I'll give a tidbit here. This is a secret piece of advice. If you want to do a networking event in New York City, I guarantee you there's nightclubs in New York City on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening that have nothing going on, you have a great shot at getting an event in one of these venues because they don't have a party going on, right? And they wanna make money seven days a week too. So that's a little tidbit, that's a little secret there. Um, on top of that, um, we talked about team, we talked about venue and resources, things of that nature. Number three, um, I like to call them quote unquote sub promoters, which is what we would call them back in the day when I was in nightlife, but um, maybe they're called affiliate marketers now. How can you continuously grow that team even further, right? How can you have a much larger reach to the point where I would tell people, hey, you can promote this event. Tickets cost $10. Yours is free. Plus I'll give you 10 free and every single penny that's generated through your link goes to you. I don't want a dollar of it right? Because I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this to make sure people are having a good time. People are meeting each other. And at the end of the day, I get a little bit of data when it comes to emails, you know, but um, that's specifically what it is. I don't think there's, there's a, like a specific blueprint outside of that. It's just um, making sure that you have the right people on your team, understanding the resources that are available to you. I gave the tidbit about clubs on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening, and then having some affiliate marketers that are willing to, or that are like-minded and willing to make some money with you, you know? Yeah, 100%. And a lot of people really don't understand what it takes. But there's also another handful that overcomplicate the process. So there really is finding a balance. And like you said, just asking and trying just putting yourself out there and seeing what you can what, what you can make happen. Um, and I know for you personally, with with your branding agency that you have with the podcast, you just and your networking events, you're really doing a lot. And for me, I'm just personally curious, what is a day in the life of Matt Labrie look like? What does it take to do what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Man, if I sat here and told you I had a blueprint for that, I'd be freaking lying to you, Rob. <laughs> um, some days are really messy, man. Um, you know, some days I sleep till 10, other days I'm up at five. You know, um, I can't say I'm the most consistent person in the world, but at the same time, I think that alludes to the fact that I'm a human being. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad people that are listening to this understand that. But um, a day in the life, ideally, I'll give you my ideal day, is up anywhere between 6 and 7.30, instantly in the gym. Um, once I'm home from the gym and, you know, not necessarily always the gym. I love bike riding. I love taking walks. I love running things. And I know you're a runner too. Yep. Like just getting out and doing things of that nature really help set the tone for the day. It's a big accomplishment, especially after you wake up early or quote unquote early for me at least. Then it always comes, then it's all about like coming home, getting the mind right. So I'll make sure that I'm reading. I'll make sure that um, I'm doing some form of breathing exercise to make sure that I'm calm. I'm drinking a tea right now because I felt like my heart was racing all mm -hmm. fucking day. Um, then it's just, uh, blocking off certain hours for each project I have going on. So for instance, I try to break down my quote unquote work day into three separate sections, whether that's like two hours for the podcast and whatever that means, you know, that specific day, maybe that's just outreach. Maybe that's editing. Maybe that's graphic design. Maybe that's something. Then another two hours for the branding agency and how much could I delegate? Because 
two hours for a business doesn't seem like much, you know? Um, and then another two hours for whatever else I have going on. If I want to start speaking again, I'm going to make sure that I'm reaching out to certain people in certain places. If I have networking events going on, I want to make sure the time is delegated there. And then, you know, I always make sure to in incorporate some leisure time, man. I'm absolutely nasty. I call it duty. Um, so <laughs> I always make sure that I have that type of stuff involved too, because at the end of the day, if I was just grind, grind, grind all the time, man, I would literally, you know, hate myself at some point. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk a little bit more about that because in, in today's modern world with entrepreneurship and the grind, things like video games, for example, I, I have my, my fair share of it, but it's, it's very much frowned upon in the society. So can you talk a little bit more about that and, and kind of explain people like the logic behind it and why it's acceptable to be honest. And most people, like I said, they're kind of frowning upon it. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I'll always say who's frowning upon it, right? Like, mm -hmm. do I really care who's frowning upon it? Because, um, and sure, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I don't give a shit what people think, but yeah. I always try not to at least. <laughs> um, but listen, man, I mean, I have a good time. Like I connect with my boys over it or, or, or my friends and, um, you know, an hour, is that really going to kill me? Like before I go to bed, come on, you know, I feel like I get creative. I share laughs. I have a good time. And I, I literally murk on that game. You know? <laughs> so, um, it, it's not, it, it comes down to what you feel is, you know, deemed acceptable. Um, are you going to spend 10 hours on it versus one? Then that's a different story, you know, but like, what are you comfortable? Do you feel like you've accomplished a lot that day? If not, then maybe you shouldn't play and maybe you should do work for the amount of time that you were going to play. Um, I mean, I, I was just dating a girl for a little bit. And once I told her I played Call of Duty, she was just like, dude, like you're 27. I'm like, yeah, I love it. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I don't care what people think when it comes to that, because I know for me, it's just leisure time. It's like if I was going to sit back and watch a Netflix show or if I was going to watch a movie, it's the same thing, man. Just disconnecting. You know, we all pick how we disconnect. And that's the way I disconnect. If you want to disconnect that way, if not, you do your own thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think people... Like I said, they, they don't really understand the concept of complete disconnecting because some people are like, oh, instead of doing that, why couldn't you just like read a book or why couldn't you just listen to a podcast? And like that, that in a way, I know it's not like work, but it's technically like your mind is active. You're trying to understand and process the information. So I think there's like another step where it's like, okay, I, I don't have to focus on anything um, and I'm good to go. So I, I think there is a, a balance between that, but I really think it's important that we do give ourselves that time every single day, whether it is an hour or, or 30 minutes or however, it, like I said, it really is up to the individual to, to figure that out and decide what works best for them. That's, that's right. really what it comes down to. Couldn't yeah. agree more, man. And so um, I know, like I, we, we talked about earlier, you were doing a lot in terms of like every aspect of your life, terms of branding and stuff like that. So where do you see your projects headed in the next couple of years, months, because I know, like you said, you're doing a lot. And I know you mentioned uh, right before this call that you are going through some major changes. Yeah, man. Um, at the end of the day, I think change is a great thing. And I'm really glad that I'm experiencing those. But um, if I were to sit here and say that I had this perfect blueprint of where I was going in life, I would be lying. You know, I don't even know if I'm going to love what I'm doing in 10 weeks from now, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm just, I think that the perfect answer for that for me at least is just the willingness to be open to what life brings about. And that doesn't mean that I'm not taking control of my destiny. That just means that I understand that um, we're all born into a plan in some way, shape or form. And of course we could shape that plan based on our actions and things of that nature. 
But um, to, to give you the best answer, man, I think it really comes down to just continuously pushing forward and growing. You know, I would love for my branding agency to be like the next Ogilvy in fucking New York City and go <laughs> global. Um, but to say I'm there yet, I'd be lying. You know, to, um, I would love to speak internationally because I've spoke literally in a bunch of states already here. Um, I would love to speak on an international level. Um, I would love for the podcast to, you know, be up there top five every single week. Um, those are all the goals. That's always what I'm pushing for. But at the same time, I would love to allude to the fact that I'm always open to any redirection that is put on my path, you know? Yeah. And of course, with the new year and redirection, a lot of people have New Year's resolutions and they want to go to the gym and eat healthier. But in terms of your personal life, what's one habit that you've started, whether it be now or 10 years ago, that has changed your life for the better? And how can someone get started with it? Reading, man, reading. Um, as you can see behind me, man, I have over 150 books and they all changed my life. Like, I feel so blessed every time I pick up a book because it just so happens to be that book relates to whatever it is that I'm going through in life. Um, and I don't know how that happens, but it does. And I'll, I'll tell you very briefly, um, I was working like three or four jobs at this point in my life. I was actually delivering pizza for my uncle's restaurant and, or delivering food, I should say. And um, I just said to myself, I, I, I'm not going to get where I want to be just doing this. And I said, what can I do? Like I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur again. I wanted to get back to that. I was still in college and I Googled the best books to read for entrepreneurs and Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People popped up. And literally I went and I bought that book right away the same night, picked it up, read it within the next week. And then right from there, it was a trickle effect. Literally my boy in, in college was like, dude, like I need you to read this book. I was like, wow, that's funny. Like I just finished a book. What's the book called? He said, thinking grow rich. So right away I just started reading, reading and reading. Um, how does, how does someone get started? Listen, I have dyslexia. It's not diagnosed. I never went to a doctor for it, but I absolutely suck at reading. Um, I'm great at speaking, but not good at reading. And, um, you know, I think the best way for someone to start, no matter what, I, I wish the first book I read was something short. Because once you're able to build some sort of momentum, man, it's a game changer. But if you pick up a book that's 500 pages to start, you might get discouraged and you might, you know, fall off reading 10 pages a day. And you're like, wow, I'm not even past chapter one yet after a week, you know. So um, I think the best way for someone to start is find a book that's short, it's sweet, it's to the point, and it's valuable to you and what you're going through in life, whether that be the four agreements or um, there's a great book by this woman named Florence Shin called How to Play the Game of Life. Um, the, the list goes on. I could give you a million and one book recommendations, dude, but I think that's the best way to start for anyone. And do you think, cause a, a lot of people obviously want to turn this into a habit. So do you think there's like a certain time in the morning or the afternoon or 10 pages a day? Like what kind of routine would you give to someone just to start just like a general kind of rule of thumb? Yeah, I think it comes down to how much time people have in their day. Obviously, we all have 24 hours, but you might tell me, hey, I work 15-hour shifts, right? Um, that, that's a little bit different than someone that only works an eight-hour shift or, or something of that nature or is only in school for four hours a day. Um, I like to optimize net time in the sense that I like to do things in my quote-unquote in-between. So if I'm on the treadmill or I'm on the elliptical or I'm on the stationary bike, like I'll have my book with me. A lot of people like to do audio books for me. That's, that's not really my thing. I love the hard copy. I love to be able to highlight and things of that nature. But um, any way I could optimize my net time, if I'm commuting on the train from Queens to New York City, I'm going to make sure my book is with me, right? I think that's one way that people should start incorporating this type of habit into their day. But if you don't have those types of opportunities, make sure you just carve out a half hour, like 
people think a half hour is some crazy amount of time when at the end of the day that it's really not like carve out a half hour in some way, shape or form morning, night, whatever it is for you. Um, if you're a night owl, great. If you're a morning person, great. You know, that's what it really comes down to just identifying what it is that you are. Yeah. And I think for me reading, I am more of like a night person. So that's been working well. And also I think once I finished the first book, it kind of like, like you said, kind of did that trickle effect and allowed me to be more confident when I was reading because a lot of the time kids, and I know you've probably had this as well with school, it just makes people hate reading because they're reading all these boring history books. Now, every time I, I, I used to pick up a book, it's like, Oh wait, like, what is like, I'm picking up a book. Like, I don't want to read anything about like boring history. But now I remember one time I was telling my friend that I was reading a book. He's like, wait, you're reading a book. I'm like, yeah, it's teaching me how to make money. He's like, there are books about how to make money. Like people are so uninformed because we just have this negative connotation to reading because of all these boring books that we've learned in, in school. Yeah, man, I could definitely relate to a certain extent. If I, if I told you I read any book for school, man, I'd be lying to you. <laughs> I was horrible in school my whole life and somehow graduated with Dean's List Honors. I don't know how, but um, yeah, I definitely understand that, man. At the end of the day, you know, you feel like you're, especially, and I'm sure your demographic of listeners, Rom, is more so the college student or maybe even younger than that. So um, of course, people are going to think that, you know, they don't want to do any more reading than they already have to. But when you could find a book that could drastically change your life, um, and, you know, reading about Abe Lincoln and George Washington may not seem like that, but I would suggest reading one of their biographies or autobiographies, because then when you actually learn about their life in depth, like that's a whole different story. And then you're able to apply their habits and their tactics and their strategies to your life. That's what's really interesting. Yeah, and I completely agree. And Matt, I personally had a great time on this show. I learned a lot about you that I probably didn't even know beforehand. And just getting to know you even better on this conversation was amazing. Just like a final thought, where can people find out more about you? Just plug your social media, your podcast, your agency, anything you got going. Now's your time. I appreciate that, Ram. And like I said, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. So I do want to start off with that. It's been a, you know, a blessing and a pleasure to be with you today. And like I said, seeing you grow, man, is dope. It's, uh, you know, really good to see all that you have going on too, especially even though you're in school, you're still pushing forward with other projects, which is, you know, really inspiring. And I'm glad that you're doing this podcast. So again, thank you. Um, I'm literally found anywhere. If you just want to Google search me, just Matt Labrie, my website will pop up all my socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, it's just at M-A-T-T underscore L-E-B-R-I-S. And if you want to check out the podcast, Decoding Success, we got a whole lot going on there. Um, some really, really fun integrations of some new content coming out in 2020. So excited to continue pushing that. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Matt. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.